You're listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Friends, uh, today I get to share with you about Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. I don't know what you believe, but we believe in Jesus. We believe that he was God. We believe that he is good. We believe he's still alive. And, uh, and to, throughout this series and throughout this summer, we've been looking at Jesus' very own words. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of philosophies, a lot of ideologies, a lot of opinions. Every world religion has a perspective on Jesus. They try to fit him in because they're like, he was such a big deal. If we don't mention him, it's going to be a little awkward. So, but this summer we thought, why not spend some time going through the I am's of Jesus? Why don't we look at Jesus' very own words? Who did he say he was? This is not to diminish the other words that were written about Jesus. We believe that they are just as true. But it is important for us to narrow in, to zero in on Jesus' own words, his perspective of himself, and then to consider that. And that's what we're going to do today. Throughout the series, Jesus has been filling us in on who he is, but it, Along the way, he's also been answering some of life's biggest questions. Like, who am I and why am I here and what is my purpose? Is there more to life to, uh, than this? And today he's answering simultaneously another one of those questions. How do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? How do I get to the Father? Is there, is there life after this? A little bit of an awkward question, but it's something that we, we tend to think about in those quiet moments. It's something we begin to think about in moments where maybe we're attending a funeral or someone uh, close to us passed or we ourselves become sick. What is after this and how do I get there? And then this is what Jesus is answering for us here today. He is answering one of life's biggest questions and like I said, I'm not sure why you're here, but perhaps you're looking for answers. And I believe in Jesus and in his words. We're going to find it today. And so, if you're willing, if you're able, would you be able to stand with me? We're going to read God's words. And uh, we believe these are the most important words you're going to hear today. Far more important than anything I have to say. And so we stand in honor of these words. And so let's read together. John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 33. And then we're going to read to 14.7, all right? John chapter 13, 33 to 14.7. Here's Jesus' last, some of his last words to his disciples. Uh, at this point, he'd been spending many years with them. He'd been doing miracles. They'd saw him heal the blind and touch the sick. They had saw him do things they'd never seen anyone else to do. And Jesus knew his time was coming because of these things he was saying. And he shares these things parting words with the disciples that he's going to have to leave them. He's going to have to die. Here's what it says. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. Jump to verse 36. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. I'll tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Chapter 14, verse 1. Says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's Jesus speaking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come to get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. It continues. Next slide. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus, thank you for your words this morning. You're speaking to us about incredibly important things. How do we get to our father's home? How do we get to our father's house? Is there more to life after this? I pray today by your spirit, you would speak to our hearts. The Lord, you would encourage us. The Lord, you would correct us, and for some of us, God, we would turn back to you as the way, the truth, and the life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here we are in another I am statement where Jesus makes a very profound yet offensive claim in our day and our time. When talking about the Father's house, when talking about heaven, when talking about the afterlife, he says, you know the way there." That is through me. It is through me alone. And he makes this profound statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And although this is one I am statement phrase of Jesus, in some ways it's three. He's making three claims. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And this is going to serve for our structure here today as we dig through this text and see what Jesus has to say to us. I want to speak to us first about the fact that Jesus said he was the way. That he was the way. You see, he warned them he was going away. That he was going to die. The disciples are fearful. They're confused. What does this mean and where are you going? And he tells them, I'm the way. You see it unfolding in the story. He says, little children, dear children, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. A little while longer. I'm going away. Peter says, I want to come with you. I always love Peter's zeal. I want to come. I'm going to die for you. He's like, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me, man, right? A couple, couple verses later, Thomas is that, that guy who's willing to step into the awkward. He always does this, right? He always does this. He said, says, Jesus like, and of course, you know the way there, right, guys? And Thomas says, no, we don't know the way, Jesus, right? You ever have that guy in your workplace, right? The supervisor done a big presentation. Okay, everyone know their roles. Everyone, we got it. It's clear. Yeah, absolutely not, right? That's Thomas. (laughs) And so Thomas says, no, Lord, we don't know the way. And Jesus answers, I'm the way. I am the way. He is concerned, friends, about their trajectory. He's concerned about their route. He's concerned about their path. Which way are you walking to the Father? I want you to know the way. I don't want you to get lost. I don't want you to be confused. I am the way, he says. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, um, this way kind of stuff and routes and paths, it's very important for us as British Columbians. Most of us, it's mandatory that we are hikers, right? And I, I got to be honest, I'm not a hiker. I'm not a hiker. I occasionally hike. I'm not a hiker. Uh, and I don't like hiking because it makes my feet hurt, right? And so my wife, who loves hiking, she's basically like, you know, she's a thoroughbred hiker from, from birth, okay? She was just raised to hike. She said, listen, this isn't going to work for us. 
took me to one of those, you know, athletic stores, Mech or something like that, got me some really wide, comfy hiking boots. I kind of have hobbit-like feet, so it's very important. And, um, <laughs> and she said, okay, this is on one condition. We're going to hike. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to hike. And so we, we've done a few hikes over the years. We've done a few hikes because I want to stay married to her. That's very important to me, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we took that hiking to the next level. Okay, we actually did like a full-on backpacking, camping, in the woods kind of hike, all right? We went some with, uh, with some friends of ours, and uh, it's this hike to Garibaldi Lake. Any of you have ever done this before? It's just outside of Squamish, and the path is really nice, okay? Nine, nine kilometers up. It's a nice wide path. It's very well marked, but occasionally you'll get to a fork in the road where you could go left to one destination and right to another, and if you do not follow the signposts, you're not going to end up where you're, where you're meant to be going. You're not going to make it there. And I realized as we were walking, this is what Jesus is doing for us. He is a signpost. He is, he is showing us the way. And I'm glad I followed those signposts because in, in the end, we ended up getting to this incredible, incredible lookout point called Panorama Ridge. This is us here with our friends. Beautiful mountains, incredible lake. Uh, it, was, it was unreal. Uh, and, and Jesus is saying to us, listen, I am the way. You have to follow my markers or you will not get to the summit. This is why I tell us this story today. What is the summit? What is the goal? What is the end point? It is the Father's house. It is eternal life. And he is concerned that we are taking the wrong path, that we're taking the wrong path. And I think many in our day, many in our time, and myself for a long time was walking the wrong path was walking the wrong path. He wants us to follow him the way. But some of you hearing that, you think, no way. This, it, this can't be what Jesus is saying. He can't be as exclusive as this, saying that he is exclusively the way to the Father's house. Okay, come on. It is 2022 in Vancouver, British Columbia. There's lots of ways. There's lots of truths. There's lots of paths. But here's the thing. It's not just a blimp on the radar. It's not just a one-off. It was not a misprint. His, the, the author did not mishear him. In fact, time and time again, Jesus makes statements just like these, especially in this series. Have you noticed? Right? He, each and every single one of them was saying a similar thing. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of life. I am the good shepherd. Right? He, he th I am the vine, we're going to hear. He is, he is over and over again saying that he is the way. That he is the way. And the other gospels and the other letters, Jesus' closest followers, his inner circles, they all attest to the same thing over and over and over again. That Jesus is exclusively the way to the Father. And I know what you're thinking. Because the implications of this means what? That means that Islam is not the way, and Buddhism is not the way, and I am not the way, and whatever else we can think of is not the way. He is the way. That's what he's saying. Woo! Right? I know. I, I get it. Right? Put your phone away. Don't tweet just yet, all right? <laughs> Some of you are thinking to yourself, you're like, Jesus, you can't say that. Jesus, you can't say that. You know, I'm a good, thoughtful, inclusive, tolerant person. And, and Jesus, when you say stuff like that, it sounds really bigoted. Jesus, that's inappropriate. Jesus, that's unkind. Jesus, you, you get canceled for that kind of thing, right? You get canceled for that kind of thing. 
I think it's important for us to know, and this is, this is worth, you know, the price of gas getting up here. Um, our feelings about something does not change the reality of whether it's true, right? Our feelings about something doesn't actually change whether something is true or not. We may not like it. It may feel a little bit off. We might, we might want to, you know, uh, shout out against it. We might want to say these kind of things to Jesus in response, but our feelings don't actually change whether this is true or not. It either is true or it isn't, even if it feels unkind, even if we don't like it, even if we don't like it. Some of you say, but, you know, Jesus, maybe you are a way or a truth or uh, or, or, you know, a life, but they, there are many ways. There are many ways. In fact, some, some in our culture have ascribed to this thing called pluralism. Pluralism is the belief that all paths lead to God. All paths lead to eternal life. The people who are pluralistic will describe that we are blindfolded men and women feeling the divine, and I'm describing a tail, and I'm describing the trunk, and I, it's an elephant, right? It's the divine. And, and, and you ever seen this picture before? He says, but all of it is describing the divine. All of it's describing the path or the way to God. And Jesus says, no, it's not. I am the way. I am the way. I remember Tim Keller uh, sharing a story. He was invited with a uh, Muslim imam and a Jewish rabbi and some other religious leaders, and each of them was able to present their perspective and their worldview. And following that lecture, the students, this was in New York City, just as pluralistic, just as uh, modern as, as we are as a society, each student got up and said, wait a second, so you're saying that if you're right, that guy's wrong? And each one of them said, yes, yes, that's true. And the students were infuriated. They rushed up to the mic and they said, you can't say things like this. This is offensive. This is, it's 2022. We've moved past this. But each of these religious leaders said, This is what we believe. And so we as people cannot superimpose upon the world religions, upon the other holy books to say they're all just saying the same thing. They're all describing the same thing. They're all ending up in the same place. Ask any of them. Line them up. Even religious leaders from this area, each one of us will say no. We are not saying the same thing. And this is what Jesus is saying today. He's saying, friends, I am the way. I am the way. And we believe in truth to be not relative, but objective. We believe that truth was actually created by God and can be known and discovered because he is the one in whom truth, uh, truth was ordained, truth came through. And this leads us to our second point. Jesus is not only the way, but he is the truth. And he speaks the truth. I, I think we live in a time where there's just, it feels like it's so hard to know what is true, Right? Uh, honestly, on either side, on both sides of the argument on any topic, I don't, I, I'm struggling to believe anyone these days, right? It just feels like everyone is lying through their teeth, right? It just feels like everyone is trying to deceive us and bring us in and get us on their perspective. And Jesus into a culture, I think that it's just, there's, it's such, there's such an absence of, of truth, of objective truth. He says, friends, I am the truth. I am the truth. But some of you say, well, listen, there is no objective truth. Truth is relative, okay? Whatever is true for me is true. Whatever is true for you is true. You've heard this before, right? I I want you to just 
realize for a moment the contradiction in that statement. There is no objective truth. That is an objective truth, right? Uh, You are believing an objective truth. And so Jesus is actually correcting us and saying, no, there is an objective truth that is found in me. I am the truth. I speak the truth. Wow. You see, Jesus, what's happened in our culture is this. This is why why we're confronting today. This is why it feels confronting. We moved from a a society that lived under one narrative, under one truth, where, where most perspectives, most things were agreed upon. And what has happened is our culture has moved to a bunch of individuals and a bunch of selves. Mark Sayers, who is a bit of a cultural analysis, a pastor, a teacher, he describes what he sees happening in the world and culture and history. He says this, this is what's happened. Over the last 50 or 60 years, we now believe collectively that the highest good is individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, self-expression, and that the primary social ethic is tolerance of everyone's self-defined quest for individual freedom and self-expression, the journey into the self. What has happened is we have become selfish. We have become self-oriented. We have, become to, we have started to believe that the individual is sovereign, is sovereign. They get to decide who they are. They get to decide what they are. They get to decide what they do. They get to decide where they go, what they believe, what is true and what is not. And no one, no one can correct that because the highest good is now tolerance. The highest good is now individual freedom. So in a world that now believes this, that the self is preeminent, Jesus' claim is offensive and hard for many of you to receive and believe. I get it. Even as Christians to believe at times. It is so ingrained. We have spent years and years hearing these kind of philosophies and ideologies that we now hear such an exclusive and clear claim to being the truth, and we struggle with that. We struggle with that. But how is this possible that Jesus can be the truth? How is it possible that he gets to declare what is true and what is not? I often think about it this way. Do we have any board game players or people who love playing games, those kind of things? A couple of you, right? Every, every game has rules, even if I don't like it. Even if I don't like it. Now, listen, I, I like playing board games mostly because I like winning at things, right? And so sometimes, in my pursuit of winning, I like to bend the rules in my favor, right? No, absolutely, and just eloquently, you know, no, this is what it, how, how the rules are, this is how it's played, and now I have won, right? Uh, and, uh, and usually, usually, like my family, they've gotten wise to this, right? They'll all of a sudden say, okay, well, let's go to the rule book, right? Pull out the rule book. No, the rule says this, this is how it is. And, and you know, 2022, we go, Monopoly, don't tell me how to play Monopoly, right? Like, <laughs> this is how I play Monopoly, right? The creator of the game gets to decide the rules. And this is what Jesus is saying. He, he actually makes a divine claim in this text. And you see it in verse 7. He says, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is claiming to be God. And if he is God, then he is the creator. If he is the creator, he gets to determine the rules in the game that we're all playing called life. 
The reason Jesus is so definitive, the, Je- the reason Jesus is so clear is because he is the creator, the one who made and created all things. Think of Colossians chapter 1. If you don't know it, in verse 15 to 20, it describes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and that all things are created by him and for him and through him. That he created dominions and authorities and the, the seen and the unseen realm and that he holds all things together. This, this planet Earth that's, you know, flying around the sun right now uh, and, and all of the stars and the incredible the, the laws of physics and nature and all of these things, this text is declaring that he is the one who holds it together. And so Jesus is the maker of the game, and even if I want to bend the rules to my advantage, he gets to decide. He gets to decide what, it's true, what is true and how it's played. And that's what he is saying here. He's saying, I am the truth. I am the truth. I am God. And the truth comes from me. Finally, he says, I am the life. I am the life. In some ways, he's piggybacking off of uh, earlier I am statements. Where he says, I am the bread of life. And he says that I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the door of the sheep. And I've come that they may have life and life to the fullest. Jesus is continuing on this theme through this text here that he is the one from whom life comes. He's saying life is within me, that if you want life and life to the fullest, it is through me. It is through living and looking and acting and following Jesus. He's saying life is from me. In a sense, he's saying it's, it's about my life and not your life. It's about my life and not your life. And this pushes back against a culture that although at times it feels like it's just a free market, like we're talking about, to do and be and act however you would like, in our culture there has been a cultural narrative. There has been a cultural set of rules and morals that especially as millennials and younger generations we have began to really adhere by. Uh, and it's things like environmentalism, and it's, it's so, the right social causes, and social, uh, posting certain things to our social media. Uh, it's through, uh, you know, protests and standing up against certain things. And it's through, uh, it's, it's through tweeting the right things and being on the right side. And Jesus is speaking to me, and he's speaking to us, and he's saying, listen, it's not through your life. It is not through your life. It is through my life. It is through my life that you will have eternal life. It's not through, a, through you adhering to these cultural phenomenons and things. And trust me, this is convicting to me as someone who cares about these things. These are good things. They are right things. They are, many, in many cases, godly things. But these things do not save us. They do not save us. Jesus is saying, I, it is through my life that you will have eternal life. And all, you know, the conservative types in the room are, Right? Amen. You're next. All right? Because we do it too. In these conservative circles, well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I say my prayers and I, I, I tithe 10% to the penny. Right? I, I've gone on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. That's how I'm going to do this fall. Right? I'm doing it this fall. I'm right there with you. Right? He says, hey, well, I've been on missions trips, and I serve my community, and I share my faith, and I do the right things. And slowly what can happen is we too can slip into a, a belief. We can begin to deceive ourselves that it's my life that's getting me in. That is not true. 
Jesus is saying, it is my life. In fact, if you want that kind of narrative, there is a whole whack load of cults in the area that will tell you that it is through you. It is through your life. It is through your works that you will get into heaven. But Jesus is definitively saying, no, I am the way. I am the truth. And it is my life. It is my perfect life that will get us into heaven. Woo. Okay, you offended yet? So, why do I tell you this? Because I believe it's actually good news, friends. I believe this is incredibly good news for you. Because I, I don't think you'll ever be able to do it on your own. In fact, I think our paths and our ways and our truths, they, they're so deceptive at times. They're so conflicted. We needed someone outside of ourselves, God, to come into our existence to help us to see the light, to help us to see the path that we could actually somehow make it to the Father. Somehow make it to the Father. I believe this is good news. And this is the difference between religion. Some of you were brought up on religion and you left religion. And today you're walking not back into religion. You're walking into a, a good news center. You're walking into a place that is a place of freedom, a place of grace, a place of hope. You know why? Because what Jesus is offering you today is this, to lean solely on him and him alone. To take his account, to get in on his name. I experienced this, uh, you know, a number of months ago I wanted to take my wife out on a date, and it's a marathon if you're a young parent, right, to get out for a date night. You've got to get the kid to bed. You've got to get the babysitter, the whole thing. We get all done up. Jessica looks absolutely amazing. We arrive at Brown's in Port Moody in Newport Village. We get to the front. I'd like a table for two, right? I'd like a table for two. Oh, okay. You know how they are, right? Oh, Looking at their iPads, right? Like it's like, Okay, that's going to be about an hour and a half. There's eight people ahead of you. Here's this buzzer thing, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll buzz it when, when, when you're ready. I thought, this is not going to do. It's 8 p.m., right? And suddenly, I see, I see in the distance a, a guy that I recognize, Port Moody Panthers. I was a chaplain for the team for a number of years. And I say, hey, Carter, Carter, come over here, right? Carter comes over. He's wearing a tie. He's looking official. I think, this is my end. This is my opportunity, right? Carter, you got to get us in, man. There's a, a, a one-and-a-half-hour wait. Like, I, I can't do this. Right? And uh, sorry, okay, so, you know, he, he walks up the hostess and right, they're looking at their iPads. So, you know that whole thing, right? You, you've experienced it. He says, hey, don't worry. You're going to be in like five minutes, okay? The, the next table's yours. Right? So less than five minutes, I get in. I sit down at the table. I order my Coke with lemon. Got to try the Coke with lemons, good. But uh, I was happy as could be. I was so happy. But I didn't deserve that. I didn't earn that. I didn't get there early. I didn't put down a reservation. I Nothing about my, my conduct deserved the next table. But I got in. Why? Because I knew him. Because I knew him and he had some authority. He had some authority to say who's in and out. And he got me on the list and he got us a table and we had a great night. Listen, friends, this is what Jesus is offering us. <laughs> Light bulb moment, right? <laughs> that we would get in on his authority, that we would get in on his name, that we would get in on him, not on us, right? Not on us. Oh, yeah, patience, let's go, right? 
<laughs> oh, I love it. And this is the gospel. This is the incredibly good news. But some of you are like, okay, listen, this sounds too good to be true. How can I know it's true? How can I know it's true? Well, friends, we can know it's true. You know why? Because we do not follow and believe in just a guy who showed up and held up a sign, right, on a street corner preaching. No, we showed up a guy who, who did it. He didn't just say it. He did it. He showed us that he was the way to the Father. Jesus Christ lived among us. He did many miracles. Jesus said he was going to die. He died. Jesus said he was going to rise. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And a number of weeks after that, he ascended to the Father, right? This is how we can know this is true today. Because all these other founders and other, you know, uh, world leaders, those who, who, who oversee or those who brought forth other world religions, they are dead. They are dead in graves. You can go and make a pilgrimage to their bones. You can go to Buddha's grave. He's lost some weight since then, right? You can go to Muhammad's grave. You can go to the graves of the forefathers. But Jesus is not in the grave. You go to Israel with Mark, he'll be like, yes, he'll take you to one place. Some people think Jesus was buried here. Some people thought he was buried over here. Might be under the church. He probably has an opinion exactly where it was. But the point is this. There's not a consensus. Why? Because there's no body. There is no grave. Jesus is alive. He is not just someone who said he was the way to the Father. He showed us he was the way to the Father. And this is why you can believe. And this is why I believe. Because our faith is based off of an event in history that has had a ripple effect till this day. And now you're getting caught up into it. You're getting caught up into it. This incredible golden ticket, you wouldn't believe it, you couldn't earn it, deserve it kind of faith. Isn't that incredibly good? Isn't that incredibly good this morning? It gets better. It gets better. Because what Jesus is offering us and promising us is this, a place in the Father's house, a place in eternal life, a place with him forever. But there's some who maybe are not sure they really want that. It's like, I don't know if I really want to sing 10,000 reasons for 10,000 years, right? You know, I don't know if I want to sing of his love forever, forever, right? You know, it's like, we kind of just think that like, you know, it's just like a glorified worship night. And you Pentecostals, you know where I'm at, right? People who've gone to church, uh, you know, overseas, and the service just goes on and on. You're like, yeah, you know, it's good, but like, it's got to end, right? (laughs) This is not, it's not cherubs and babies and clouds and some ethereal, spiritual, other kind of world that we're invited to. God is going to take heaven. He's going to bring it to earth. God is going to make all things new, all things new. He says, in my Father's house, there is more than enough room for you. There's more than enough room. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. Back in the day, the KJV used to say, in my father's house, there's many mansions. He's not talking about square footage, okay, right? Like, some of us like, oh, that sounds good, right? <laughs> it's like, nah, a mansion, right? It's like, oh, how much can I get for that in the real estate market, right? <laughs> Especially as, like, you know, young people were like, oh, square, like, mansions. Can you give me a mansion, Lord? Like, I'm in, right? It's like, no, friends. He's inviting us into a space and a place where we can be with him, where we can be with him, where, where, where he'll be our God and we'll be our people and all things will be made new. 
where, where pain and disease and sickness and sorrow and hardship and difficulty and suffering will be no more. God is going to renew this earth. I love what Tim Keller says about this new heaven, this new earth, the Father's house. He says, I don't know what you think about heaven, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. He says, it's a place where you can eat. It's a place where you can love. It's a place where you can laugh, a place where you learn. There is, there is a concreteness about it. The Father's house contains the new heaven and the new earth. What will it be like if this world with all of its seas and canyons and valleys and peaks and airs and immensities and infinities with all of its glory and all of its beauty, if this is the kind of world God gives to people who are his enemies, those who have rebelled against him, what do you think he will give to people who are his friends? What do you think? Oh, friends, the Father's house will be so, so good. And this is what Jesus is promising to us if we would just do what? Trust. Trust in him. Trust in me also. Trust in him. Trust in me also, Jesus says. Trust in God and trust in me. And if you do, if you do, I will take you to a place. I will take you to my Father's house. And you will be with him forever. You will be with him forever. And so, friends, I want to pray, and we'll conclude. Jesus, your words echo through time today. And some of us in this room were feeling a little bit maybe offended, frustrated, stirred up. I pray against the spirit of offense in this room. I pray that your grace that your kindness, that your goodness would be seen and felt and experienced in this place. Spirit of God, I pray you'd be saving people in this place right now. Saving them from a life of toiling and striving and chasing after their way, their truth, and their life. And today, they can just simply believe and receive. They can trust in you and trust in your ways and, and know without a shadow of a doubt that it leads to eternal life and life with you. And so, Jesus, I pray that today, by your spirit, there would be some who say, yes, I believe. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and life. Father, I do pray for some of us in this room who have began to maybe even slip back into religiosity. I pray by your spirit, you would correct us today. You would correct us today to trust in you and you alone. We would not stop doing good things and good works and following your commands, but we recognize all of this. This is an overflow of the grace and the goodness that you've given us. Spirit, oh, I pray that you would help us to get all our eyes off of the things of, of earth and to fix our eyes on heaven. These disciples, they were feeling so anxious. They were feeling concerned. They were feeling afraid. And Jesus, what was your answer? There's more to life than this. You can come with me to my Father's house. This is not the end. I pray as we get so fixated on our ways, that you would help us to look to you as the way once again, Jesus, to fix our eyes on you fix our eyes on the things of heaven, a good and great place where we'll get to spend eternity with you. Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. And we say, 
in our hearts, with our, all our souls, that we long for the Father's house through you. Help us to believe this. Help us to trust in you and trust in God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.